All right, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Split Division Podcast. I am the host this week, Nathan Marzian, joined by Max, Gerbs, and Eli. Um, so there is some NFL news this week. Um, came out yesterday. Cam Newton signing with the Patriots, a seven and a half million dollar deal, I believe. Um, so big news. A lot of people talking about that. So we're going to start with you, Max, because obviously this kind of you know, not not any NFC North news, but it does have something to do with the Bears because the Bears could have signed Cam earlier. Instead, they traded for Nick Foles. Um, so what what are your thoughts on the situation, um, like your thoughts on Cam and comparing that to what the Bears did? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. And it's something that like you could you could even you could say time will tell. But even then, you don't you can't really tell because Nick Foles and Cam Newton are on opposite ends of the planet. You know, you got St. Nick, loved by all, baptizing his, his uh, teammates, and then you got Superman Cam Newton, who gets in fights with Josh Norman, and and I don't know, he's just, he, he's a diva. And I don't know why that aggravates people, but, like, yeah, some people are just diehard die fans, and that's fine. And you know what? If the Bears signed Cam Newton, I'd have a Cam Newton jersey on today. He's very brandable. He's someone that has lots of energy that's easy to get behind. I don't think there's any Bears fans that have gone out and got Nick Foles jerseys, but I guarantee you if Cam Newton was on the Bears, he would be one of the most bought jerseys right now in all of Chicago. And so you have to look into the situation a little bit deeper than that. We can look at the contracts, yes. There's a lot of debate that Chase Daniel, and I'm sure Gerbs will bring it up later, that Chase Daniel was paid more, but... If you look at it, AV, uh, like Cam Newton, he's getting $7.5 million a year for one year. Chase Daniel's getting $4.5 million for the next three years. So people say, so that's $13 million. And then Cam Newton, he's getting $7.5 million. So they say, oh, $13 million is be- better than seven and a half. But that's not the case because Chase Daniel's getting out over three years. Cam Newton's not going to be paid that over three years. If we look at Nick Foles, where the Bears brought in, we gave up, gave up a fourth-round pick, yes. Uh, $7 million, so he's getting less per year than Cam Newton by half a million, and that's over the course of three years. So at the end of the day, we're talking about character. The Bears are big on character, and I'm going to bring up one situation, the double doink. So you got Cody Parkey. After the double doink, he goes on Good Morning America. He did, he goes on a talk show and just talks about the kick, and he handled it well, and, and Bears fans praised him even though we hated him we were like man you you handled you handled it well and he goes on this talk show and then the bears cut him a short time later and the the reason being that this was a a him decision it was a you decision we need to as bears fans we need to make we decisions so the bears aren't cool with cody parkey going on good morning america like what makes you think that the Bears would be cool with Cam Newton and everything that he does. And I, I don't know what it is, but like I feel like people maybe have recency bias. And because there's no recency with Cam Newton, he didn't play at all last year. People forget the type of character that he is. And he's very loud, like larger than life, very colorful, very just out there. And so it wouldn't have meshed, meshed well at the end of the day. Uh, Cam Newton can have a big season and Nick Foles might not see, play a single game. And at the end of the day, I I still would think Nick Foles is probably the more wise decision just because there's no way Nagy and Cam Newton are meshing. All right. All right. 
Do any of you guys, Eli or Gerbs, have any, you know, Cam Newton opinions or your thoughts on it? Gerbs will go. Yeah, so um, I, you know, I, I have to, I feel for Cam Newton. I'm glad he fi- signed with the team. And I will say, I'm like, I, I, the way I was thinking about Cam's situation throughout all of Carolina is honestly very similar. As a Lions fan, you see a great a quarterback who is doing really well, with, who's stuck with a garbage franchise and bad team leadership. And just, you know, no weapons around him. And, you know, you could say, like, yeah, he had McCaffrey. But, like, it's really just – it was, like, him and McCaffrey. And, like, on the Lions, it's been – for the last few years, it's been just, like, Stafford and Galladay and Jones when he's healthy. And, you know, it's like I feel for Cam, and I hope in New England um, he can put something together because I really like him as a player. And, yeah, yeah, he can definitely be a diva. I mean, not even can. He is a diva most of the time. But he's – like – yeah, I just I fell in love with him that 2015 season. I really just wanted to root for him. I think New England is probably a very strange fit for him. I mean, like having Tom Brady at the helm for the last I don't remember how long Brady's been in New England, and all of a sudden having Cam Newton, and it's like those are two very different players. So I'm really interested to see how New England is going to implement him into the offense, but. If he's healthy, and I hope he can go to New England and ball out, he deserves at least one year on a competent team. And, uh, you know, and yeah, again, I have to relate it to the Lions. You know, he's Stafford's kind of been in the same situation sometimes of just can't produce because he doesn't have what's around him. So, yeah. Eli? Um, well, first off, for some reason the entire day I have had hiccups. So if I sound ridiculous throughout this, there you go. Not my fault. <laughs> Um, but Cam Newton to the Pats, it is an interesting fit. Oh, God. It is an interesting <laughs> fit. That's for sure. Um, it's an interesting fit. Like you said, uh, Gerbs, you know, Brady being there and just the styles of play are just totally different. But, oh, God. Like we said before, Cam Cam won't need to do too much to win in New England. And I think Belichick will put him in the right position and McDaniels also. And I also think, I mean, maybe we'll discuss this more later when we talk some fantasy, but obviously this changes things for the Patriots' fantasy offense. The receivers, James White, we could talk about that more later. But but I will agree with Max, though, real quick, that Foles, not even like necessarily the culture fit, but he has the the pass with Nagy and the Andy Reid system. So it probably makes more sense sense to bring him in. But, um, yeah, I think Cam in New England is going to be interesting. I love how today... They put out a report that he's not guaranteed the starter spot. Okay. Jared Stidham's going to be Cam Newton for the starting job. And now I'm going to stop talking while I deal with this. And I'll (laughs) get it back to you, Nathan. Yeah. I mean, mean, I'll just give my my, um, quick take on it. Like, yeah, I saw that too with Jared Stidham. People talking about how Cam Newton isn't the guaranteed starter. And like, no, they clearly, I don't think they really loved Stidham ever. Um, I mean, I just don't think he's that that good. Um, But yeah, I mean, me, I don't. I think Cam Newton will be fine in New England. Like, I think they can make anyone look good there or look decent at least. Um, but, yeah, we were talking about this, you know, before we started. Um, I mean, I just don't love him as a passer at all. Like, I think he's a below average, pretty bad passer, honestly. But when you combine it with his rushing, I mean, he's okay. I think he's average, decent. Um, and, again, I mean, that doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be fine on the pass. I think, like I said, they can make anyone look good. But, um you know, so I still think the Pats will be fine. It's not like I'm just knocking the Pats and saying it's a bad signing. Because, I, I mean, again, like like Gerb said, I think it's worth taking the risk. Um, 
not even, I mean, not even, it's not even a risk, but just it's worth signing him. Um, but I just, I've never really loved him. Um, you know, I look at his stats and stuff and I just, I'm not, I'm not impressed by him. I think he's kind of overrated, but I still think he'll be fine. Um, so you, you even, sorry to jump in one more time. One thing we didn't even mention that he's coming off pretty significant injuries. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he's, uh, he just had surgery on his throwing shoulder, uh, the previous season. And then last season he was out the entire season with a Liz well, Frank. So not broken, the entire season. He, he played, like, uh, played a couple of games. Yeah. yeah, he got 572 passing yards in last season, but I mean, yeah, it just no touchdowns, nothing like he, yeah, he, he wasn't doing well. He got yeah. negative two rushing yards. Yeah, but, I mean, um, and, and that's the thing is like if his one of his main weapons is his rushing ability and he wasn't rushing at all last season and he has a broken foot that kept him out the remainder of the season. Like there's, there's risk within that and with COVID and not being able to evaluate the injuries and even just going back to what you said, Nathan. For the Bears, yes, we have we have four coaches that have all played with Nick Foles. I absolutely love him, love him as a team leader. And, <clears throat> but yeah, Cam Newton's more brandable. Yeah. Nick yeah. Foles, he's just he's the safer option. Yeah, also, and I'm glad you brought the, the You can with go the ahead. Patriots and uh, and Stidham. I'm looking at Stidham's stats for last season. Yeah. He didn't really play that much, obviously, with Brady healthy the entire time. 14 passing yards on two completions. Negative two rushing yards and an interception, and that was his entire stat line. So when <laughs> like, I'm just, trying to go between that guy and Cam Newton, I feel like it's, yeah. and then Brian Hoyer. I think they have Hoyer as well. Yeah, they have Hoyer. And yeah. it's like, but yeah, like Cam's the clear like. You'd have to be stupid not to put Cam in over him and Hoyer. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I and mean, like I said, like as much as I you know don't love Cam as a player, I still it's an easy decision compared to Stidham. Um, but yeah, I'm glad uh, Max that you brought up that injury too, because that is like I said, a big thing. If he can't run effectively, like I, he's not a very good passer. So it's just like I don't know how good he can be, um, you know, even in that offense, even in that system. Um, but yeah, we'll see. So um, we'll now move on to fantasy talk. So we're gonna we're doing going through each and talking about our best. Are we doing best player, best fantasy player on each team, and then a sleeper within the division? Yeah, that's All right. good. So yeah. we'll start we'll start with Gerbs. Um you can give us yours. All right. So the Lions obviously fantasy production for the Detroit Lions, regardless of which player, if you're gonna take any player in the Lions, it's gonna depend on if Stafford is healthy. Which like right now there was just videos of him wake surfing like on, on like the back of his boat. Like his back seems healthy. And you know, like hopefully it you know, he can start uh, week one and everything will be fine. And hopefully he can stay healthy throughout the season. And if he is Kenny Galladay, I mean, like the guy, he was a little inconsistent last season because Galladay had some games. I mean, with any wide receiver, you have the games where it's like you're getting 19 fantasy points in a game, but then the next week you get two and it's like, you know, but like every team has that. And unfortunately Galladay like had like a lot of ups and downs. But also you have to think about the fact that like Stafford was out for eight weeks and if he had and Stafford in those eight weeks was on like pace to be like have like a career season. And that's why also I think Stafford really is like always been a solid fantasy. I always pick him up in fantasy every year and I get I might be a little bit of a homer with that one and being a little biased. But also, I mean, he's been averaging 231 points a year throughout his entire career in fantasy 
Like, it's pretty decent. He can normally at least, you know, he's good for at least two touchdowns and like 200 passing yards, like a game. So it's just, he's always been a solid fantasy pickup. And then like looking around the league, I can't say that he's a sleeper, but like Aaron Jones is going to kill it in fantasy this year. Um, Like just looking, uh, I mean, what he did last year and just his production on the field, I think he had 19 touchdowns last season. The touchdowns are so. And so, like, just that alone will get you so many fantasy points. And then, like, just trying to look around the division. The problem is the NFC North has, like, not, this is not a division for sleepers. <laughs> like, you very clearly have your starters. Um, but on the Vikings, I know Brett's not here to back me up on this, but uh, Madison, their running back, I feel like has the chance to step up a little more. Dalvin Cook, I know, is really good. But depending on the situation, look at Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. When Melvin Gordon sat out and Eckler came in and ended up being one of the best running backs in the league production-wise last season. So I feel like Madison could do the same thing. He showed some flashes of potential in uh, 2019. And if Cook ends up sitting out for the season and contract stuff doesn't go through, I think, you know, you have a new running back in town in uh, Minnesota who can end up taking a bulk of the snaps and putting out good fancy points. So, yeah. Um, Max, what about you? Sure. Yeah. So the Bears, we don't have a lot of fantasy options. Uh, we got <laughs> we got Allen Robinson, who will be a very solid wide receiver one for you this year. David Montgomery, who should be eating tons of targets and a carries. He should at least have 250 carries and probably like his uh, his reception should go up as well. Um, I, I think 25 was like it was a reasonable amount last year, but I expect that to go up this year. You know, a little bit more of the offensive line. I expect uh, just the competition between Foles and Trubisky to kind of the the rising tide lifts all boats, if you will. From there, the defense I think is going to be top five, and then from there, th- those are the starters. And then if you're looking more at the bench players, I think Cohen, uh, Jimmy Graham, and Miller will find their way onto benches. So as far as the best fantasy player on our team i think i think a rob you just have to go with uh, with the highest floor at the end of the day um perhaps our defense is up there as well but if we're talking adp uh a rob's the guy that you're gonna want to jump on as far as looking throughout the nfc uh the rest of the nfc north as far as sleepers go um i, w- I want to just throw a question on the floor because i think i think you have uh Correct intentions, Gerbs, with uh, with Alex uh, Alexander Madison. However, mm-hmm. I what I could see happening is, uh, and this is the reason I wouldn't necessarily take a risk on Alexander Madison. What I could see happening is uh, preseason ends. You go, you're in your draft. Dalvin Cook hasn't signed, and then I could see his ADP rising quite significantly. And then within there, there's a lot of risk of Dalvin Cook. Is he going to come back? Is he not going to come back? That sort of thing. If he ends up coming back, like like I think even Melvin Gordon, a lot of people held on on to Melvin Gordon all year, not expecting him to actually sit out the entire season because it's pretty rare that that actually happens beyond Bell and Gordon in recent memory. Um, so I think Alexander Madison, he's he's not unless he falls to maybe the fourth round around there, perhaps maybe maybe even late third, maybe I would take him there. Uh, but as far as sleepers go. Something that we've talked about on recent podcasts are the tight ends and 
the the breakout ability of the three tight ends of Jay Sternberger on the Packers. You got TJ Hawkinson on the Lions and then Irv Smith Jr. on the Vikings. And so it's it's a toss up. Which one which one's going to pop? Which one's going to pop? A lot of Bears fans are saying you forgot Cole Komet. No, I didn't forget him. Uh, left him off there for a reason. OK, so. And then, you know what, I'd even, I could throw Jimmy G in the conversation as well as someone who has high potential, I think. So I'm going to choose from tight ends. Tight ends are usually uh, a position that I draft late. However, one I'm probably going to go with, hopefully in the mid rounds, if he falls there, uh, is TJ Hawkinson. I'm sure he'll rise and the hype will grow, but I think just uh, Matt Stafford coming back, I think the second year, the first year struggle narrative as well. Um, for all tight pass catching tight ends. Irv Smith Jr. very could well be it. Jay Sternberger can be well be it. But if I'm putting my money on someone, I'm going to go with, I think, the safest pick in TJ Hawkinson. Which I totally agree with that too. Like Hawkinson, you know, obviously we've talked about his, like how his first game was like most of his production for the rest of the season uh, in 2019. But again, like now, and he dealt with a lot. He had a concussion week four. He had a broken ankle week 13. Uh, you know, if, if he's fully healed from that, which I'm personally, I don't know like how his recovery is coming along, but yeah, I can see Hawkinson hopefully having a big year. I had him on my team last year and I had to cut him after a few weeks cause he was so inconsistent, but this year might be different. All right. We'll go to Eli then with the, his, uh, Packers. Um, yeah. So first off, I still might have that issue. We'll see what happens. But secondly, <laughs> Um, I like the point, just starting with the sleep with the sleepers, let's say, I like the point Max made about the tight ends. I think all three of those tight ends you mentioned are guys that are worth targeting late in drafts. If you, if you didn't draft your tight end, or let's say maybe you drafted Gronk, who is Gronk, but you also don't know his health. He's always had health issues. You don't know what he's going to do after a year off. You take a shot on a young tight end late in the draft. So, I mean, I did that last year with Darren Waller. Worked out pretty well. Obviously, a lot of people did it with Mark Andrews. It worked out well. So when it comes to sleepers, I really like the tight ends. And I also think Matthew Stafford is somehow a sleeper. Um, He's obviously a great NFL quarterback. But fantasy-wise, last year before his injury, which was in week nine, he was was on pace to finish as QB4. He He was averaging over 21 fantasy points a game. Looked really good, has good receivers, so I think Stafford is some, someone you could get late, late in drafts and is going to return his value. And then when it comes to just the best player on the Packers to draft, it's tough between jo- Aaron, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, but I would probably go with Adams just to be safe because you know he's the guy getting basically every target on that offense, and then Jones is competing with Williams and possibly Dylan. So Devontae, I mean... He's, in my opinion, if not the number one receiver in fantasy, the number two. If he didn't get injured last oh my God. If he didn't get injured last year, he probably would have finished top three once again. So I love Devontae. I think Jones is good. I think Jones is getting too much bust, bust potential. Like everyone's saying, bust, bust, regression. He could regress and still be great. If you took away nine touchdowns from Aaron Jones last year, he would still finish as RB9. So yeah, literally yeah. cut his touchdown production in half. He's still a top 10 back. So I like and Jones. He was, I think what, he was like be, RB2 last year? He was RB2, yeah. He finished his he finished yeah. RB2. So I think you add in the passing, I think he's going to catch more balls because mm-hmm. they drafted Dylan. They don't have any receivers. 
So I really like Jones. If you're going to get him in the end of the second, early third, I think you're getting a steal. And I would take Devontae Adams end of the first round already. Obviously, second round, you're already getting a great value. Yeah, I mean, I love Jones as well. Like, I, I agree that people saying he's has, you know, bust potential. I don't agree with that at all. I do. I'm glad you brought up um, Stafford because I was going to ask you guys. I know Gerbs probably has a um, passionate answer about this, but would yeah. you guys take – I mean, I, I honestly, as a as a huge Packers fan, huge Aaron Rodgers fan, fantasy wise, like this year only, I'd probably take, I'd probably take Stafford over Rodgers. Wow, gonna get a lot like, of hate for that, Nathan. I know. I, 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 that. <laughs> just fantasy wise, Rodgers has not been great the past few years. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at what they're doing, you know, they might go a little bit more run heavy and like just he doesn't have the weapons still. If he got more weapons, it'd be different. But I just, I mean. I don't know. Stafford's always been, yeah. especially when you look at value, like wh- where you can get Stafford yeah. compared to where you can get Rodgers. I'd, I'd take Stafford easily, you know. Well, you, and later. like if you look at the breakdown, Stafford had the second best wide receiving core in the NFL last year. Like when you look at the numbers that Galladay Jones and Amendola put up as a trio, they were only outbeat by the Buccaneers with um, Evans, Godwin and uh, Perriman. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and, like, oh, God, that's going to be a nightmare with Brady <laughs> now. But, um, yeah, like, you know, Stafford, and that's the thing, is he he has so much talent at the wide receiver position right now. And then you look at hopefully Hawkinson can come back up, and with Swift and on, hopefully improving a little more because both of them – or, I mean, Swift was such a – I mean, on was such a bummer last season, just did not – perform the way we thought he would but yeah Stafford just like he's always been my like safety like or my pick for like a quarterback like he's always been a good safety net every year I take him because he's always available in the late rounds everyone always sleeps on Lions players in fantasy for good reason but still (laughs) yeah um yeah you are real quick point about about the Stafford Rogers thing so I mean it's not the craziest thing Stafford's always terrific in fantasy and it wouldn't be that wild. But number one, the val- the value wise happens to be I, I was doing a mock draft uh, for fantasy pros a couple weeks ago, and I got Rogers in the eleventh round. And I just did like a couple more just to see if that was like a glitch. Every single draft I did, he went past the tenth round. Never in the last ten years has Aaron Rodgers been available past maybe the sixth round, and like that's the latest I've ever seen him. So if you could get Rodgers in the 10th or, let's say, Stafford in the 12th, I mean, they're both – if you're getting that kind of QB after the 10th round, you're going to be happy. But in terms of Rodgers, just – I know it seems like he's fallen off a bit fantasy-wise, but last year, some would consider maybe his worst year in like a decade. He finished as QB 10. 2018, he was QB 6. And then 2017, he was hurt. And then in 2016, the year before he got hurt, he finished as QB1. So if you're looking at his last three full healthy seasons, it's 10-6-1. Obviously, the weapons don't help, but I think Rodgers, if you're going to get him after the 10th round, you're going you're gonna to get that value back and more. So I like them both, but I think since they'll both be in that 10, round 10 to 12 range, you could go either one. It'll be a good move. Yeah. yeah, and I think they'll both finish between the 5th and 10th best you know, quarterbacks. Um, so, I mean, they're it, either way, like you said, it, it can't really go wrong with either one. I don't feel like, um, so yeah, yeah. yeah. If, uh, yeah, if one. I can jump in. Yeah. So I have a, I have a hard time choosing Stafford over Rogers just in general. 
like it would be really tough if they're both available at the similar spot to take but i i totally see your point and i i can see that happening like even uh, lafleur he on the titans he was more focused on the run and then you see in green bay obviously they're going to be more focused on the run my one of my big things though is uh, when i look at somebody's schedule that's going to be a pretty p- pivotal part of my team qb1 I want to look through their schedule and val- evaluate games. And so the, you obviously have your bye weeks, but then I view really tough matchups almost as bye weeks, if that makes sense. So as far as the as Rodgers and Stafford goes, Stafford does have to play the Vikings twice, the Bears twice, and the Packers twice. And I think all those three teams have very good defenses. I think the Packers defense, their biggest weakness is uh, the run, not necessarily the pass. I see the Bears as being not not a whole lot of weakness on any given spot. And then the Vikings usually just have a, a good defense. Of course, Rodgers does have to play the Vikings and the Bears as well. But if I'm betting on who's going to do better like against the bears in particular, I'm going to say, well, Rogers is likely going to do better than Stafford against the bears. Who's going to do better against the Vikings Stafford or Rogers. Well, I'd probably go with Rogers and not even that he's going to light us up or light the Vikings up, but put him down for a couple touchdowns. So just that boomer bust, not even, not even boom, but just um, production versus production at all versus bust. I would say that, Stafford would be more likely to to bust against the NFC North teams if that makes sense at all. But I, you know what, I also agree. Don't sleep on Stafford. Stafford would is absolutely a guy I'm going to be valuing very highly in my drafts. Yeah, and with the boomer bust, I I was going to say Rodgers. I mean, doesn't make a ton of mistakes. It's not like he's going to kill mm-hmm. you, but it's I mean, like last year it just seemed like I had him. You know, I, in I think my keeper league I have him. Um, and it's like he had a lot of just, you know, meh games, but it's not like, I mean, I, I don't, he's not going to lose you your matchup, but there's times he, like, it's like, man, he could have done a lot better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, any other fantasy talk you guys want to talk about? Any other, um, yeah. you know, stuff around the league? Maybe but, just the, yeah. cam, the cam stuff, maybe in New England, yeah. us discussing yeah. I, mean, I think he immediately, at least number one, obviously, will be drafted now. Um, I think yeah. he should be drafted probably within the top 12 quarterback. I mean, when you have mm-hmm. the rushing value, we all know how important that is in fantasy. So, I mean, for sure, if let's say you're in a four point per passing touchdown league, his value goes even higher. But I think Cam, Cam is a good late round pick. I, w- I wouldn't necessarily jump at him, but he's decent. And then I really think the the number one benefactor from Cam in New England is going to be James White, because you saw he was very effective with Christian McCaffrey We also know he's not as mobile and his arm isn't as strong as it used to be. Probably going to dump it off a bit more. And also when it comes to COVID and a new team and not getting the chance to get that connection with someone like Julian Edelman. Edelman, he's a great receiver, but him and Brady had that connection that we don't know if Edelman's going to be the same guy without Brady. They were special together. So I think at least in the beginning, it might take time for Edelman and Cam to hook up. So I think James White is really the one, for sure, in PPR leagues that gets the biggest bump and someone I'll probably look to add in a decent yeah. amount of drafts. White had 72 receptions last season. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. if you were, yeah, especially in PPR, a guy with mm-hmm. 645 running back with that much. And, like, when you look at McCaffrey, who had, how many receptions did he have? He had 116, but, like, 
I mean, McCaffrey made up like half of the Panthers' offense last season. He made up like seventy percent of their offense. Yeah, yeah. I I have like the data where it's like, yeah, he literally made up like overall. If you look at total offensive production of like every single player on the Panthers, McCaffrey makes up like fifty percent. It's absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. If I can bring up one more sleeper, one more. Okay, so hear me out. Let me finish. I think a sleeper pick could be Mitch Trubisky. I knew no. You know what? And listen, listen to this, okay? So to start the season, and I'm not even saying trust him as you go, like as a, as a QB1, but if, if it's the last round of the draft, I'm saying don't let him go onto the, the waiver wire. Why I'm saying this is because to start the season, there's four very favorable favorable matchups. Number one being against the Lions. Against the Lions, obviously there there's a little bit mixing around and that sort of thing. But I think, yeah, Trubisky against the Lions, I think he's ten touchdowns to one interception in I think three games. And so why I'm saying this is that as you go along, the the Bears' schedule gets a little bit more difficult in the middle of the season. So you're going to have four very favorable matchups for Trubisky. Number one, week one, I'm I'm thinking he's going to do pretty well. And then he goes against the Falcons. He goes against the Colts. And sorry, I'm blanking on the fourth team that we've got. Um, however, I think he might be good trade bait if you can pick him up in those later rounds. I, I wouldn't let him go to the waiver wire. And you know what? In 2018, he was very productive as a fantasy quarterback and if he can return to form he might be someone of value willing to keep on your roster i know i'm a bears fan and you know what i'm not even on the trubisky train i'm not on it but (laughs) if he can return to 2018 form in the last round of your draft i'm i'm willing to take a sleeper pick on him well max i will say one thing i forgot the exact numbers but i saw an article last year talking about a strategy of basically drafting for the first month of the season almost. Or basically they showed your record. If let's say you start 0-4, your percent of the playoff is like 2%. If you go 1-3, it's like 10%. But like 3-1 and and 4-0 to make the playoffs, the percentages goes from like 30 at 2-2, and like 70 at 3-1 and to like literally like 91 at 4-0. Like insane. So there is that idea that if you draft for the beginning of the season, it could get you off to a hot start. Even if it doesn't last, it could push you in the playoffs, then you never know. But if we're talking about sleepers, I mean, I'm for sure drafting Brian Hoyer, third round. Him and Mitch Trubisky are going to be my duo, and I'm probably going to win multiple championships. I mean, there's no other way around it. No, God. just playing, just playing. But yeah, I, I also thinking about sleepers, like, do you guys do PPR, or are you guys just yeah. like standard? I'm in a half PPR in my Yeah, my I do team. half PPR. Full PPR half is too PPR. intense for me. Yeah. It's like oh, too right. intense, yeah. and no PPR is like I don't like that. So I yeah, you know, no PPR. I might as well just like not play. It's well, there's no out. there's yeah. no media for it, right? Like there's if you no go media. and try to no. find research on it, there's nothing yeah. for it. So you've got to you've got to adjust. Yeah, because yeah, my league, like I just play with a bunch of guys from my fraternity in college, and it's like you know, like really casual, no buy-in. We just play for like bragging rights, and but you know, like still, we don't do PPR, which bothers me because I like. You know, when you look at the Lions, like the Lions, 
Stafford evenly distributed, um, even with Blau and Driscoll at quarterback, like Galladay, Jones, and Amendola almost had the same amount of receptions. They all had like 62 or something like that. So, like, you know, it's if you're doing PPR, any Lions, like any of those top three Lions receivers, but especially like Galladay or Jones, who had like just a lot more touchdowns than Am- Amendola only had one touchdown, but like Galladay and Jones both were really solid until Jones got hurt and then, you know, Stafford got hurt. So, but yeah. PPR with the Lions is always a better bet with those players than uh, just playing standard. Yeah. How many leagues do each of you guys do? I, I I used to do like two or three every year, and now I'm just sticking to one keeper league, and I just follow my team, you know, every year. But um, Eli, I feel like Eli probably has a lot of teams. So that's yeah. the thing. I, I've never been able to do that. Last year, I had like the most teams I've ever had, which was three, and even that was... It's impossible. Every time yeah. someone scores, you're happy and sad at the same yeah. time. <laughs> I know. You can't keep up. You can't cheer for anyone. You can't. So this year happens to be, might be the first year like ever I'm going to be down to just one league. Um, and it should be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because really doing more than that, it's just, it's, it's too much. The waiver wire every week, three different leagues, and you have trades across multiple leagues and it's too much. So yeah, I try to keep it simple. I'll have one, maybe two leagues this year. Yeah. Real quick, best platform. Uh, the problem is I use ESPN, but I know it's not good. Like yeah, I'm, used, I'm on. We have Sleeper. Do you know what the Sleeper yeah. app is? Yeah, Sleeper. Yeah, I use Sleeper once. Is it good? Yeah, we just it's it's good. I mean, I it's not like amazing or anything, but we just changed our keeper league to that um, just a couple months ago. So you need more customizations. ESPN. It's like oh, you can customize what your team name is. Other than that, good luck. It's it's like yeah. it's just it's annoying. So I want to change it, but I play with like people that have been using the same platform for twenty years. And trying to teach them to do something else would be too much effort. So I just, yeah, just go Yahoo. Through. Do any of you guys play the Yahoo? I used to use no. Yahoo. I actually heard it's Ew. underratedly good. I think I did fantasy it's basketball. It's amazing. It's so much better than ESPN. It's like not even close. Like even ESPN, one of the things I hate is just like how big everything is. And like you look at your lineup and you can look at like, like it's, you know how some people on Twitter post screenshots of your team. It's like yeah. you have to do like three different screenshots <laughs> yeah, yeah. because the names are so big. Whereas yeah. Yahoo, it's like yeah, all customizable and it's all very readable. And uh, like I, like I really like I play in two leagues. I play in one that's Yahoo and one in ESPN. And we've been pushing the commissioner to move over to Yahoo for so long. It's so, so much better. Yeah, I'll and check I'm, it out this year because I'm making a new league. So yeah, I want to get off ESPN. So I'll check that out. Yeah, Eli, you were talking about customization. I know Sleeper lets you like. It's kind of dumb, but it lets you customize like player names. So each player, you can just give like a nickname or something, so you can that call them something cool, else. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So when we discovered that, everyone's like, "Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome!" <laughs> you just change every single person on your team, so you have no yeah, idea like, who you're playing. Everyone good. They just like name them like Untouchable or like something like that. <laughs> so knows not to trade for them. Um, all right, so that does it for our fantasy talk, and now we're gonna go into our um, rankings for the week. We have defensive line rankings. Um, so Max, I'll start with you. Uh, what are your rankings? NFC North defensive lines. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to start off with a breakdown. I think that's one thing we're going to do is just break down our own defensive line as well. And so the bears defensive line, their front seven in general, I think talent wise, they're number one in the NFL. Um, but looking at the defensive line, we run a three, four and amongst that, we also play a lot of nickel as a base. And so uh, Buster Screen, he's on the field a lot. And so, yeah, so within that, we have Akeem Hicks, who plays on the end. 
Uh, Keem Hicks, we we all think he's extremely underrated. There's those CBS rankings, I'm sure maybe you made it around into your guys' camps. Uh, but they went through like the top 10 wide receivers and defensive line and pass rushers and that sort of thing. And they had the top t- 10 defensive linemen in the NFL and Akeem Hicks didn't make the top 10. And it was like mind blowing that that's possible. And if you're considering citing health, sure. Like, but I, I, as far as I know, he's fully healthy and ready to go. Akeem Hicks is a top 10 DL. Uh, I, I really think it's not debatable. He does it all. He does the pass rushing, does run stopping, and he eats double teams all the time. And he's such a big voice to our Bears defense and such a leader. He's the quarterback of our defense in my eyes. He energizes everyone. And that and the reason uh, when we lost him last year, we lost a, like the heart of our defense. And the defense looked a lot more stale after that. Um, Eddie Goldman is the nose tackle. Uh, we all believe he should be a household name as well. Uh, not a lot of people know who Eddie Goldman is, but he clogs up the middle, just like Taco Bell. Uh, 2019 was a bit of a down season for him as he dealt with injury, but he's usually good for about 40 run stops a year. Like he he usually gets anywhere, yeah, between 35, 40 tackles a year on the inside, uh, which are insane numbers for a nose tackle. Uh, He's like a point guard. That's kind of how I view him. He, He clogs up the middle and then, um, allows for everyone else to kind of get inside and um, either stop the running back or stop the quarterback. So uh, love Eddie Gelt Goldman. Hopefully he, he's fully healthy this year and ready to go because we, our defense really relies on him. Like in 2018, we didn't even have a backup nose tackle and we were subbing in uh, defensive ends every once in a while to take the pressure off. From there, we have uh, RRH, Roy Robertson-Harris, and Belial Nichols. And so I'll start with Belial Nichols. He's a 2018 fifth-round pick for the Bears. He's 23 years old, and he had a fantastic rookie season. Uh, He had had only six starts, but within that, he had three sacks, 28 tackles, five uh, TFLs, and seven QB hits. And among that, there was, um, it was the Cardinals game, and he won the Cardinals game for us. It was a... third or it was like fourth and two and the running back shot outside david johnson shot outside and it was blyle nichols really first big play um with the bears or maybe it was even his it was it was definitely his first game that he was playing in general and then he went and stopped uh david johnson and it was a turnover on downs and the bears won that game and so uh after that there was hype that grew he went on got a couple more sacks a couple more flash plays throughout the season and in 2019 we were expecting a big breakout year which really didn't happen his six starts jumped into 12 starts he had 27 tackles uh, one TFL and two QB hits. So that's one TFL compared to five in his rookie season and then two QB hits compared to seven. So he he was dealing with a little bit of uh, injury as well. Seems like our whole defense was, but we really expected a little bit more of a breakout in 2019. Um, however, we saw that a little bit more in Roy Robertson Harris, who was a 2016 UDFA. The Bears extended him this offseason for a year. Um, in his last two seasons, he's had, uh, double digit QB hits and seven starts in 2019 with 10 QB hits. So, uh, that, that last defensive end possession position, we're really looking for either RRH or Blyle Nichols to really step it up. I think a lot of people believe in Blyle Nichols, but you know what? It's, um, it's not even that mandatory that someone really pops off because we, I think, uh, Pagano, he really likes the nickel defense. If I'm, but if I'm going throughout the NFC North and I'm, I'm just going to give a soft ranking, I'm not going to defend it a whole lot. Um, I'm going to stick with the Bears at number one. 
I like the Packers. I think Nick Perry's probably the best defensive lineman in the entire NFC. That Nick Perry, which brought back terrible memories to my brain. <laughs> Do you mean Kenny Clark? Yeah. Kenny Clark. Why did I say Nick Perry? <laughs> I was like, I was, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, <laughs> Kenny Clark. Yeah, absolutely. Kenny Clark. I think Underrated. he's the best defensive Wrong. lineman. Yeah. He's young. I think he's still ascending. Um, I so I'm gonna actually put the Packers next, and then I'm gonna throw the Vikings third, and then the Lions fourth. But I think it's Fair. pretty close then. <laughs> All right, uh, Gerbs. I saw you. You you're saying stuff over there. We'll go to you. Yeah. So um, the Lions' defensive line is probably the most atrocious, upsetting. <laughs> just it's it's not good. And like flat out, it has not been good for a long time. I mean. Frankly, it wasn't good before Matt Patricia came to town, but then Matt Patricia, this amazing defensive-minded guru, came in and made it worse. And, um, you know, and so you're looking at the Lions don't really run any of your traditional defensive schemes as far as like a 3-4 or 4-3. Matt Patricia refers to it as a multiple defense, which means that uh, it, it, he kind, they kind of look week to week on how they're going to set up their defensive line and their linebackers and their secondary and all that. And it depends on how the other team's offense is. It hasn't worked out great, but you know the idea is there. It's a great idea, terrible execution for the Lions. But they generally run with, if they're running three defensive linemen, you're going to have a regular defensive end, say like Trey Flowers or Romeo Aquara. You're going to have a... Um, a nose tackle so in the past that was damon harrison the last few years this year it'll be danny shelton we just gave him a ton of money to be our new guy in the middle be our new run stuffer our new nose tackle next in we have our um it's like our tweener the big body defensive end or defensive tackle i know some people say like the three five technique those terms to me get a little too jumbled sometimes but uh deshaun hand who's been like this severely underrated defensive lineman injuries have been a big part of that but when he's when he's in a game he uh he looks good he just doesn't have the the stats or the production to really like go toward that but then um the other thing that was run is the jack linebacker so your pass rushing linebacker who never they rarely drop back into coverage almost every time they're blitzing or they're you know trying to set an edge on a run and so now we drafted Julian Aquara, brother of Romeo Aquara, who will be one of our uh, backups this year. And Julian Aquara will be most likely the starting Jack linebacker. Him or Jamie Collins are going to be taking that role. And behind them is Austin Bryant, who was the um, fourth round pick out of Clemson last year. And um, Bryant was hurt for every single game until week 17. So he didn't really or he didn't really get to do much. And then he got hurt in that game against the Packers and had to leave, which left us with non-drafted rookie playing that that role, Anthony Pittman. But um, really, I like the Lions' defensive line looks a lot better this year than it did last year. Um, in some ways, at the same, you know, we got Nick Williams, who was a backup defensive tackle for the Bears the last few years, and I know last year was kind of a breakout for Williams, and I think Williams can come back and um, be a good rotational player on this defense. I don't see him being a starter I but I do see him getting maybe you know like every other snap or third downs or something getting thrown in there um but yeah I don't know the Lions defensive line is just kind of atrocious uh Flowers had seven sacks and last year he was supposed to be our Matt Patricia guy you know who would uh you know come in and be this like just absolute wrecking ball on the defensive line but he was never a solid pass rusher in New England I think the most sacks he had in New England was like six or seven 
like in a season, and then he comes he with seven sacks. Gerbs ninety million, some ridiculous amount <laughs> like that. Yeah, it was yeah, nine, yeah, the last, So good job, good deal. Yeah, I know it's great, and uh, so that's the problem. Is the Lions have no pass rush, and like we missed the days of a healthy Ziggy Ansah. When we had Ziggy Ansah, life was good, and you know where he was getting three sacks a game, and it was like the yeah, the Lions got to see a good defensive player for the first time in a really long time with him. But then injuries hurt him. Like, obviously, they hurt him. Their injuries. But injuries affected his uh, career pretty bad. And, uh, you know, but then, like, I'm, I'm excited for the Aquara brothers being on the defensive line. I think brothers who they played high school together, they played college together. Here they are in the NFL. I think this is going to be really fun. And I feel like that connection is going to do well with them on uh, opposite sides of the line. But, um yeah, if I have to rank, um, yeah, I'm putting Lions dead last. There's no doubt about it. I'm putting Packers at one. I just see the Smiths on the outside. You got Clark in the middle. Like, that's all you need. Like, the production between those three players is just too good to – they have to be my number one team on the defensive line this Are year. Are you guys 3-4 three, four or 4-3? Four, 3-4. Three? Three, four. Three, four. So, so they're linebackers. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they are, technically, pass rushers, they are but... technically linebackers, but yeah. Yeah, good way yeah, to so destroy like half of the defensive point. ends in the league now. Either and, way. Sorry, sorry to jump in, but no, what's the what's the latest on Montravius uh Adams? I think oh, that worked it? out well. Jesus. Isn't Third he in prison right now or something? No, he did have some kind of he had some run in with the law. I don't think he got arrested. He had I think he either had weed or a gun on him, but I don't think he had a rat. I think it was more he got taken in. I don't remember, uh, honestly. Something I know, I know I he did like, have I something. Hearing about something, but I don't remember what the details. Exactly, are. something happened with him, but but I mean, I guess at this point, just going into the Packers, speaking of on Travis Adams, not that I'll be speaking too much about him. He was actually someone, Nathan. I don't know about you. I thought he was going to be. He was gigantic. I thought I was yeah. really excited about him when they drafted him because yeah. he is huge and just he's pretty fast for his size also but not looking great but let's start so if we're just doing defensive line i'll exclude the smiths for now we'll, i guess we'll talk about that next week but starting obviously right, hold on. i think gerbs oh yeah i didn't finish mine but oh my bad go ahead go ahead yeah no worries but yeah well, i guess like even i see that's the issue with the nfl now it's like it's really hard to keep track of like who's a linebacker who's a defensive end depending on the totally. system because the packers definitely play the smiths sometimes more as like defensive yeah. ends yeah they're pass i mean they're uh, pass for sure they're they're edge rushers. Yeah, yeah like and that's the thing is like you, you can depend like and yeah but in my mind when looking you know you could throw them into both categories of like they'll help out your linebacking core but if you're using them as a pass rusher i generally like to throw them in uh the defensive line category but no matter what i think the packers line has is going to be good again this year it was great last year lots of sacks lots of just yeah it looked great uh vikings i wanted to put two but just they lost uh what everson griffin left this year and even with daniel hunter it's just now it's like only daniel hunter for you know when you had hunter and griffin that was that was a scary defensive line to go up against so i will give it to the bears i mean like i know mac is technically a linebacker but even like mac and uh um Blanken. Who was the one you were just talking Robert about? Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn. Yeah. And then, like, I think, I think the uh, the Bears will have a really great defensive line this year. 
Then I'm gonna give it to the Vikings, and yeah, Lions are just garbage. That defensive line <laughs> is hot garbage. So you know, you know what? They're Sorry, one of the worst lines in the league. So I, I, I think I'd actually change my ranking up, um, because I totally forgot the Vikings also got Michael Pierce, and I, I think Michael Pierce is. Oh. I and so uh, I'm, I'm actually going to change my ranking. It's soft ranking for a reason, but I'm going to put Bears <laughs> first, and I'm actually, in hindsight, going to change it to uh, the Vikings and then the Packers and then the Lions. I, I think I think Packers' defensive line is not bad, especially with Kenny Clark, not Nick Perry. But I do think they <laughs> struggle against the run, which I also forgot as well. But, um, yeah, so if I'm revising them, yeah, Bears, sorry. Sorry to jump in, Gerbs, but, yeah, Bears, Vikings, no Packers, Lions. All right. Gerbs, are you done then? Should we go to Eli? Yeah, I'm good now. Okay. All right. All right. So as you guys have mentioned multiple times, because he is so clearly the best lineman in the division, Kenny Clark, um, he's just dominant. Looking at his stats last year alone from, from PFF, he ranked top, let's see, he ranked top seven in every category of sacks, hurries, tackles, stops, pressures, pressure grade, and overall defensive grade. All of those were within the top seven in the NFL, some of those being within the top three. He's just dominant. We know what he is. Obviously, the Packers need to get a deal done with him sooner than later, but I'm sure they're going to lock him up soon. So Clark goes without explanation. He's the anchor in the middle. And then, honestly, surrounding him, talking purely defensive linemen, not linebackers, it gets a little bit interesting. So you have Dean Lowry, who... Last week I spoke about is maybe the most overrated. And by overrated, I mean overpaid kind of. Like after his contract, people were expecting a bigger season. Last year didn't really show up. Outside of that interception against Trubisky, he didn't really do anything. I don't think he recorded a sack. He had a couple tackles for loss, but really not much. He needs to have a bounce back year or he could be a cut candidate before his third year of his contract. And then I think the guy that is someone you should really be looking out for is Kingsley Kiki. Last year, last year's draft draft pick, he started showing some flashes towards the end of the year. When he had opportunities, he was pretty good. And now they're expecting him to take on a much bigger role. I don't think Tyler Lancaster is going to be pushing King, uh, Kiki down the depth chart anytime soon. So I think Kingsley Kiki is someone that could surprise people this year. And an under-the-radar signing the Packers made was Trayvon Hester, who is actually not a bad defensive tackle for what he does. He's a good run stuffer. He actually has some good pass rush moves as well that he showed in the last couple years. I was watching some of his film, and he's he's pretty quick off the line. For sure, great off the snap. So I think the two guys to watch are going to be Kiki and Hester. I think they both need to step up big time if the Packers are going to solve their running, their running game issues. So... That, that's how I see it. I see it as Clark, Lowry, and then a combination of Hester or Kingsley Kiki. I don't see Tyler Lancaster getting as many snaps as he did in years past. I just don't think he's earned them. And in terms of a soft ranking, um, if we're talking, so we're, we're excluding linebackers, purely defensive line. I guess I still have to go Bears 1. Um I'm going to go with the Packers, too. I think Kenny Clark is just that much better than anyone, anyone the Vikings has. I think Michael Pierce is good, but he's more he just seems much more of like an older type of defensive tackle, like not much of a pass rusher, just a big block, which is great. He'll, he'll stuff up the run, but I don't see him as the same kind of impact player that Kenny Clark is, so that's why I'll D- give Daniel that. Daniel Hunter is also, I think, a listed defensive end as well. Oh, 
Okay. I mean, <laughs> but the problem is, I mean, you know, Daniel Hunter, that is he does Daniel Hunter stand up or he puts his hand in the ground? I'm sure I'm pretty sure he stands up at least part of the time. Yeah, yeah. Stands I mean, up definitely part of the time. Yeah, it's hard because, you know, if you want to talk about, I mean, you know, Zadarius Smith lined up a nose tackle a handful of times as well. So if we're talking strictly on the defensive line, I think I'll go Bears, Packers, Vikings, Lions. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty fair ranking. Yeah, And to jump in real quick with that Trayvon Hester signing, I didn't know the Packers got him, but uh, he I went to Toledo with him as well. And, you know, small school, you get to run into some of those guys. But, like, let me tell you, one of a guy. So, like, no matter what. But, like, you know, he was the savior of that Eagles. Uh, wait, no, was he the guy who caused the double doink? Yeah, he blocked Yeah, it. he's he was the cause of the double doink. He got his, Parky uh, was the cause of the double doink. <laughs> Trayvon Hester helped. Dying on the hill. But, but even at Toledo, this guy he played like both defensive end and defensive end and defensive tackle there, and was like really good at both. And I know his career. I mean, he was a seventh round pick. It's not like he was like fantastic, but like yeah, solid depth guy. I'm happy uh, he's in the division just to be able to watch him. But like I've always loved him. Yeah, um, I'm gonna. I'll agree. I'll do my quick rankings. I'll agree with Eli. I'll go Bears, Packers, Vikings, Lions. But again, it kind of depends on who you're, you know, considering. Um, linemen and you know um what was i gonna say now i do oh yeah eli did you want um not did you want do you think the packers pat uh i why am i i cannot talk right (laughs) (laughs) eli you talked about the packers run defense um do you think it will be better you said you know obviously they have the potential to be better you're hoping they can be better do you think they actually will be better I think they'll be better because, number one, I don't think you get much worse. But in a realer way, I think they'll be better because you have a guy like Kirksey, who is, in a way, kind of everything Blake Martinez wasn't. He's that aggressive, fast, go-to-the-ball, always hyper-motor, running around. And that's not to call Blake Martinez lazy, but let's just be real. He's not as athletic. He's not as fast. I think Kirksey, if he's healthy, is going to make a huge difference there. And then also, like I said, I mean, the progression of someone like Kingsley Kiki, I really hope, is going to make a difference. But I think it's the key is going to be who they're going to use in that hybrid role. Is it going to be Raven Green? Will we see, like, Will Redmond again? Are they going to bring Savage into the box or Amos? I think they need to bring someone with that kind of speed into the box, for sure on clear rundowns, to, you know, to have that guy who lets they could get to the edge. Because Blake Martinez was never getting to the edge. And even if Kirksey's faster, he's probably not as fast as a running back. If you have Savage come down in the box every once in a while, he could he could do a lot. He's super fast. So I think they're going to be better. I also think it's going to be a much bigger focus. Because now I think they, they're a lot more confident. They know what they have in Jair Alexander, Kevin King. Their secondary is good. So I think the main focus has to be on the run defense. And I think, I think they'll be better. I don't know if we're talking about a, a top 10 run D, but... They don't need to be that. If, if the Packers' defense can be, just in general, a top 15 defense and the offense does what they could usually do, yeah. they should be in good shape. Yeah, as long as, like, in my opinion, as long as it's not hurting them, it's fine. Yeah. Like, they don't exactly. need to be amazing or anything. Um, so, yeah, I, that wraps up our defensive line rankings and um, the show for the week. Maxie, we want to do shout-outs? Sure. All right, yeah, so uh, for those who have made it to the end of this hour-long podcast, uh, I think something that we're going to try to do every week is if you retweet the episode link 
and share it. You don't have to necessarily even leave a comment or a retweet with a comment. Just retweet it. We're going to give you a shout out. And so it's typically going to go to the first 20 people. So number one, we got ICAN21. And he retweeted with a comment. He said, enjoyed listening to the podcast so far. Thank you for that. So we also, from there, have at Axe, or sorry, at Jax with the Sax, Super Trooper Ty, Ryan Stainer, Matt D2552. These are the co-hosts of the Checklist podcast, which Eli and I were on a while back. Check them out. Trey Burton, Ernie, Matthew25, Evers, Great Green uh, Bomb Ben, Sea Dog9530, Louis Joe, Jed Rice, and then Ortiz Gilbert1, Byford Corina, Jordy Bear 99, Reeb F, Peekaboon. And so, yeah, again, guys, thank you so much for retweeting out the show. We'll send it back to Nathan to close us off. Yeah, so then you can follow us at, we got Max at Max Markham NFL, Gerbs at Max Gerbs, Eli at Book of Eli underscore NFL, um, Brett, who's not here today, but at MN Bike Central, and me at Nathan Marzian. And then follow the podcast at Split Div Pod. Um, so that does it for this week's show. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you guys next time. Peace out. Go pack. We'll be editing that out. <laughs>